Welcome back to the Real Women's Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Kristen Rojas, and today's episode is about helping pregnant moms during COVID. I'm excited to have Hilda Villanueva, a doula who helps Spanish-speaking women in the New Jersey area. Doulas are trained support women who help mothers during prenatal visits, at their delivery, and in the postpartum period. She works with the AMAR program in New Jersey, which focuses on Spanish-speaking moms, some of them adversely impacted by COVID. She'll share with us why she became a doula, how doulas help women navigate the healthcare system, and how she empowers women during their pregnancy and delivery. By providing these women with additional education, resources, and support, doulas can serve as a helpful addition to the obstetric team. Stay tuned for our episode, How Doulas Help Mothers During COVID, with Hilda Villanueva. Why do I have this T-shaped uterus. Excellent question. A vagina is a powerful machine. A vagina is glorious. glorious. And it's entertaining and fun, too. Because I know what's inside of girls like you and like me. Now it's time for the physical examination. Let's go take a look at your Volvo. Well, that's when we take a new baby out of a lady's tummy. Your symptoms sound hormonal to me. I'd like a second opinion. This seems very questionable. 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 I'm Dr. Kristen Rojas, and this is the Real Women's Health Podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Kristen Rojas, a breast cancer surgeon and board certified gynecologist. And I'm here today with the Real Women's Health Podcast slash Zoom meeting with uh, my new colleague, Hilda Villanueva. Hilda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Sure, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, Hilda is a doula, which we're going to explain what that is. She's a doula in her community, and she's working with an organization called AMAR, or Apoyando Madres y Armando Redes, which means, yeah, I got it, which means <laughs> uh, supporting mothers and creating networks. And so today, um, she's going to tell us all about what it's like, um, her role as a doula, how doulas can help um, uh, improve maternal outcomes, specifically in Hispanic populations, and uh, maybe how that's been related to what's going on with the pandemic. And so um, I'm so thankful to have you today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Great. Why don't you explain to um, the, our listeners about what is a doula and uh, what do you do and maybe how you ended up in this role? Okay. Um, well, Adula is a um, trained professional that, you know, gives support to mothers, you know, and their families during, you know, uh, their pregnancy, labor and delivery, and also postpartum period. Also, we, what we do is we uh, also take resources out, you know, bring resources out from our community and try to connect them with the, you know, the needs of the family. So do you go with women when they're pregnant to their prenatal visits? Yes, we do. And um, the only difference now with the pandemic is now, you know, they don't allow anybody to go to their uh, prenatal with their visits. So they will have to go by themselves. But we try to either do a virtual, either before or after, or to check on how the visit went, or if they needed any information, if, if they talk about something that they, they didn't understood, and we could get them that resource, you know, or information to them. Yeah, I imagine. And then, and then on when the patient comes in in labor, you know, 
pre-pandemic, I know that your role was to, especially women that don't have anyone with them, because sometimes the labor course can be days. And especially if women don't speak English, it can be very confusing, all these challenging decisions that have to be made. Um, and can, you know, there's an issue not only with health literacy, but a language barrier. So you also go with women who, uh, for extra support during the labor process as well? Yes, and uh, starting in July, if I'm not uh, mistaken, I think it was July, where the governor of New Jersey signed a, um, a uh, law uh, or yeah, a, a, that proposition. Was, yeah, <laughs> that doulas can go in with one support person, but we will be part of that uh, support staff to the. Do you mean uh, in the setting of the pandemic, or yes. or outside of the pandemic? Inside, you know, when we were going through the whole pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then do you also help uh, women who are maybe having challenges with breastfeeding after delivery as well? Or yes, we do. Yes, we do. And um, we connect them to the WIC program where they have lactation consultants. We also have a, uh, a in one of our doulas is uh, La Leche League uh, in Spanish. So she gives us extra support to the to our moms if we need it. If I have a mom that is in really need and extra, I need that support from, you know, my colleague, I will just call her and she will be, you know, helping with the mom as well. Yeah, it sounds like you're kind of connector of different resources, which for a lot of women, they may not even know these resources resources are available, right? Exactly. So maybe how did you decide to become a doula? Can I ask you that? <laughs> sure. I, um, I think I, I have a love and a passion to help my community and help others. And, and um, I, well, I came here to United States when I was 17 years old, and I feel that language and social barriers were a big thing for me. And being able to share that with all the moms it helped me and it helps them to trust me, to, you know, rely on me and, and say, okay, she's been through it. So, you know, we have something in common. And the community doula training came along and, and I was like, sure, I want to do that. I want to be able to help, you know, the moms more one-on-one -on -one and, and, and be, you know, that's why I decided to, to become a doula. And how long have you been a doula? Uh, for a year. Oh, okay. Amazing. Yes. I, uh, November, it will be uh, a year. Oh, you're almost to your anniversary. Yes. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Well, maybe you could explain for some of our audience um, what specific challenges Hispanic women have during pregnancy and around the time of delivery and how maybe COVID or the pandemic has completely made those effects even worse. Do you want to, could you explain some of that for us? Sure. I think one of the biggest challenges that the um, moms have had during the pandemic is uh, food insecurities, uh, also language barrier when they go into their appointments or when they go into labor. Those are one of the biggest challenges that I see in isolation. Definitely. Yeah. I remember during my uh, obstetrics and gynecology training at Brown, we had a large Hispanic population and I always gravitated towards those patients because I speak Spanish. And I was always profoundly impacted when I saw a young, specifically a young Hispanic woman that didn't speak English, who maybe is alone, who comes in in labor. And I remember I always tried to explain everything to her, but as the obstetrician, you know, we're managing multiple patients on the labor floor in and out of the operating room. So having another person 
there that could kind of help explain some of the decision making and support moms through that. I, I can't tell you how many times I wish that I had where I had a patient that I wish someone else was with her. And so that sounds like a great resource. Yeah, I think um, we work with a, you know, a prenatal health clinic here in the city. And um, the majority of them are midwives. And, and we just notice they really are welcoming to, you know, to us doulas in the laboring, you know, laboring room. Just because they feel, you know, that their patients are taken care of and supported while they are running to other, you know, uh, women's in labor. So that makes us feel as well, like when we feel welcome and we know we appreciate it in that room is, is what, you know, we look for it. And to be able to have a healthy birth with, you know, our family. So, yeah, I feel like everyone has the same goal, you know, it's mm -hmm. to make sure a mom understands what's going on and that there's any big decisions that need to be made. She understands and then kind of navigating, um, you know, the delivery, which, you know, having a baby is not like the movies. It is a long process. It, it I is, know. Yeah. Women can be in labor for like a day. And then all of a sudden we have to pull the plug and say, you know, this is an emergency. We need to do something else quickly. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, women sometimes aren't allowed to eat while they're on the labor floor. So we'll have them on the labor floor and they can only have like jello and water and they're mm -hmm. hungry. They're tired. They're exhausted. And it's like, it is not easy to be a woman in labor, especially if um, getting ready for a planned C-section or recovery. It's, it's, it's challenging. Yep. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. I do know that you know, United States, even though we have a lot of resources, we're not doing very well with regards to maternal mortality. Our rate of maternal mortality, meaning women that die around the time of delivery, has doubled over the last 30 years. And they're saying that like half of those deaths are preventable. Do you think that by intervening in these women's pregnancies early, you can help, you know, mitigate some of those risks that women may face at the time of delivery? Like, do you help women who maybe have high blood pressure during pregnancy or have diabetes during pregnancy as well? Because we know those can make worse outcomes. Absolutely. Our, our, you know, the good thing about being a community doula is that you have a contact with these families from early pregnancy. So what we do is just we take educational material to them. Like if mom tells me, you know, I've been diagnosed with, you know, digestional diabetes, um, we get them information, flyers, you know, in their language so they can feel you know, comfortable and learn about, educate them so they can feel empowered. When they go in there, they know exactly what they're doing, what's going on, you know, um, and understanding what they need to do to control either their diabetes or, you know, so um, I think the benefit of, you know, having us there, you know, during the pre uh, prenatal uh, period and, and going in and giving them, you know, educational material and asking their questions. And if we don't have that, the answer, we always tell them, you know, you ask your provider, make sure you uh, put a list um, uh, in a paper because everything, we forget everything before, you know, we think about it. I tell them, think about it, write it in a piece of paper. So when you go and see your uh, provider, you can ask uh, those questions and share them with me so I can, you know, have a better, you know, we uh, more about it. Um, and if they don't, we do research. We try to ask also get information for them. Those are the, the good things that we are there with them during that prenatal period. Yeah, that's really great advice. I'm always telling my breast cancer patients, like I meet them and I have to give them all of this information in like 20 minutes 
And I'm like, you're going to go home and you're going to think of more questions, mm -hmm. write them all down. And when you come in for your next visit, we'll go through them and, and bringing a piece of paper. Cause even when I go to the doctor, I'll, I have to make a list saying Absolutely. all the things I need to talk to them about like prescriptions I need or questions I have. So that's, that's really good advice. I think we all do have to write them down. <laughs> I know. Cause when you finally get your like 15 minutes with the doctor, even me being a surgeon, I'm like, wait, I have a, like one more thing. I, I forgot. I, to mm -hmm. I totally <laughs> forgot to ask you this or we walk out of the office when we, and we thought about what we were, you know, supposed to be asking and Google, now I remember. So I tell them always to write them down and have a list. And, you know, if they, if they cannot ask all the questions in that visit, you know, ask the most important or the most that they can, um, they would like an answer and save the other ones for your next visit. And mm -hmm. I know that one of your goals of a doula is also to help minimize unnecessary C-sections. Would you say that, that that's an important aspect of your care as well? Absolutely. And what we do, we take, you know, that educational uh, material as well. How can we also tell them how cesarean sections, you know, can be a life saving for mother and baby when they're at risk. Mm -hmm. But if we can prevent having one, you know, it is we as doula try to help our clients prevent, you know, the, the cesarean with our continuous support, you know, trying to help them feel confident in their bodies, trying to help them to be patient and give uh, the process some time. Yeah. And also we educate them and, and on the risk of having a, a C-section. Yeah, a lot of women don't realize because it's the most commonly performed surgery in the United States. Oh, just having a C-section, no big deal. It is a very big surgery. It means a longer recovery for you. It means you may, you're going to have to be in the, in the hospital longer. And usually, you know, if a woman's in labor for a very long time and then there's an emergency where we have to have a C-section, that can further increase the risks of the surgery because of how the anatomy and, and the timing and everything changes. So... I know there's a big push among obstetricians now to minimize unnecessary C-sections. There's been like big consensus guidelines about this too. Women don't realize, but every, so if you have one C-section, we've always thought that you need to have a C-section after every, you know, if you have one, the rest of your babies need to be C-sections. That's not necessarily true, right? Nope. And no, you, not, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, you could have, you know, you first, you, you could have a first C-section and then the other, it could have been, you know, an emergency, like you said, and, or, you know, the baby wasn't in the right position or, you know, and then in the next one, they feel like they should not try just because they have the first. Um, and that's what we, t we also tell our moms that it doesn't matter. They can try if you're, you know, to have a natural birth after yeah, a C-section. And a lot of women have. Mm -hmm. uh, have a, you know, natural birth uh, after a C-section. Yeah, we, we like for them to be, you know, at least two years out and, to, and for the C-section to be a certain way. And there's a couple of different requirements that we have. Another one is making sure there's anesthesia around in case there's an emergency. But yeah, we call these VBACs or vaginal births after delivery or trial of labor after cesarean or Tolex. And so there's a big push now to educate women that that can maybe be a possibility possibility for them under the right circumstances. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And doing that is huge because women don't realize, but every C-section that you have after the first one, there's more risks of injuring your bowel or your bladder or injury to the baby. It just becomes more and more complicated. And so if women have extra support like you guys to help them get through the process of vaginal delivery, which is 
which is can be very challenging, then that's great. Yeah, absolutely. We try to tell our moms, you know, um, let, let your body tell you, you know, and if your doctor and your provider tells you that it's okay to have a, a vaginal birth, you know, after that C-section, having all the requirements, like you said, you know, your medical records, you know, and, and have everything, you know, that they need to know to be able to tell you, you can have an, a vaginal uh, uh, delivery. So what we tell our moms, it's just trust your body. You will, you know, make sure that, that, you know, you focus on, on, don't worry about, don't think about C-section, just worry about, like, if this is your first, you know, um, birth and, and think about having your baby, your baby naturally. And yeah. So, yeah. And, and also the educational piece of taking the materials where they talk about that and, and in their language. So it, it helps, you know, big, tremendously. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I know that you guys have been working specifically with women who have been impacted by coronavirus or the pandemic. How are Hispanic women um, more impacted and do they have, what kind of special needs do they have? Because we've read that there are some populations that just do worse, but, you know, I can't even imagine being pregnant with COVID right now. Well, you know, like I said before, the, the, um, our families, the families that we serve are, you know, um, their immigration status is, you know, they either don't have the right, you know, documentation and and they cannot get any benefits, like uh, financial benefits. Um, so they are, you know, forced to go out and work. So they are more exposed. They also have leave, multiple families live in one um, house, which they are more, you know, at risk to be exposed and have the virus. We have had and, and, and been in labor with some of our uh, COVID patients and um, it's tough, it's hard, you know, um, it's hard for mom, it's hard, you know, uh, for us is, is just, you know, we are blessed to be able to be there with them and, and be that support, at least during that time. Gosh, you guys, so doulas are really also the frontline workers even during delivery. Yeah, I didn't even think about that before, but yeah. I can't even imagine how scary that must be, especially if you didn't speak the language. Absolutely, and because of, you know, the partners will not be allowed to go into the room just because of the being positive as well. The only resource and the only best person, support person is us, the doula. So, but we are happy and, and able that everything, it was a healthy outcome. You know, mom is healthy now, baby's healthy. Mm -hmm. Mommy was able to breastfeed. Um, baby right there and then it was no separation so those are the the what we want as doulas that you yeah. know um, mom has a, a great outcome. Speaking of breastfeeding if a woman is positive for coronavirus is she able to breastfeed right after delivery? Absolutely she That's is. Good information I'm glad you told me that so we could spread the word yeah. Yes yes we don't want um, uh, the baby to be separated and it's no um, research, no um, test, you know, um, research that shows that breast milk, you know, having the virus will affect the baby. So that's why we encourage moms to breastfeed and, and pass all those antibodies to their yes. babies. Good antibodies probably end up being helpful, especially in today's world when 
everyone is exposed to so many things. Yeah. So after delivery, one, you know, when I was a resident, we always struggled with losing patients for their postpartum, like they would never come back for their postpartum visits. And that, that visit was so important because we wanted to talk to them about planning their next pregnancy and making sure they have enough time between this baby and the next baby, whether it's with contraception or, you know, helping them understand uh, how quickly you can become pregnant again after having a baby. You know, a lot of women think if you're breastfeeding um, that you can't get pregnant, but we always try to get them in. Do you do a lot of postpartum education as well with those women? Absolutely. We do four, um, at least four visits prenatal labor, you know, supporting labor and delivery, and also do at least four visits uh, uh, after postpartum. We do more than four, just, you know, those are the, that's the minimum. We take the time even before mommy, mom delivering the baby, we take them, you know, uh, we have a, a piece of our educational component is just taking material on contraceptives. Uh, what are you planning to do? Um, do you need more, more information on certain things that you um, would like to, to have, either pills, um, depot, or uh, Provera or, you know, IUD. So we, we give them that information that they need. And they're ready after they deliver their baby, they already have in their mind what exactly they would like to do. Yeah. And, and um, so I think, like I said before, the benefit of having us and taking that educational material to them, it helps them also educate them and they feel empowered. They feel like they can, you know, they know exactly what they want and, 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 and the decision after giving birth, so. Yeah, and you know, tell me if this is like this in New Jersey, but in Rhode Island, women, if they didn't have commercial insurance, so if they were on Medicaid, they had to decide if they wanted to have a tubal ligation and sign the forms for this uh, more than 30 days before they come into the hospital. And that was really a challenge because a lot of women have decided that they're done having children and we have the opportunity to tie their tubes at the, during the same admission and they get there and we're like, we can't, we're bound by the government. We cannot tie your tubes because we didn't have this conversation more than 30 days ago. And so is that the same in New Jersey? It's the same thing here in New Jersey as well. And what we do, I, and, and like going back to, you know, the importance of taking that material and time. So mom yeah. have the time to also ask, can I, I, I want to have a tubal ligation. Can I sign my, I know I have to sign my papers before then, because, you know, uh, my doula told me, or, or, you know, she gave me an information and it says here that, you know, we need to be able to make, you know, a, a decision before then. Yes, here as well. They, they right. require time to sign those papers. Yeah, there's I that's one of those policies where the intention was probably good when it was designed, you know, to keep women from having to maybe being taken advantage of or getting a tubal ligation when they don't want one, you know, like the idea was probably good back then, but now it really does end up being sometimes a really big obstacle. So it's good that patients have already know about that ahead of time because a lot of times they don't. And it's nothing sadder than having a patient want a tubal, have her tube tubes tied and then not and be able to do it. And then she's pregnant in six months and it's like, oh, that was always so heartbreaking. It's like, this yes, I, prior to, you know, become a doula, I did work in a, a prenatal health uh, clinic. And those were the challenges, you know, not have the moms, you know, were not informed or didn't have the right information, or they did give them the information because of, but because of the language barrier, you know, um, visit and um, yes, they received the information, but they didn't understood. A lot of moms will come in and 
they will be like, oh, I really wanted to have a tubal ligation and I wasn't able. Yeah, those are a good thing to have a, a educational before while you're pregnant, have all those, you know, visits with the moms. So you we're talking about specific to Hispanic women, but women who speak English who also want a doula can have one also. There's, it's not just for Hispanic women, right? Yes, um, our program is it target the Hispanic population, but we also have other within the city. They have um, other programs where they provide doulas, community doulas for African Americans as well or English speaking. That's great. And then, so what if um, one of our listeners is pregnant and she's like, you know what? I think I need a doula and I want to look into that. What resources? Maybe um, do you have a website or something we can tell them about for if they're not in New Jersey? No, absolutely. They can go into the Children's Home Society of New Jersey and look up all, all the programs on their maternal and child health, and they will find our uh, program doulas, Amar Community Doulas, and they can just fill our referral. From there, we have uh, an um, automatically referral where they can put their information in there, and it will go directly to our supervisor, and she will do, you know, call the mom, try to, you know, get more questions, uh, do an intake, and uh, assign her to a doula. Perfect. And then if they're living outside of New Jersey, is there, how should they go about finding a local doula there? They can do a research on the, um, I know we have in South Jersey, they have a, a doula program in Northern Jersey uh, as well. Um, but if anything, if they only want information, they can always put it in our comments and uh, we will be glad to give that resource to them as well, so. Great, and I'll also look up some websites and include them in this post for any women who are thinking about that. Great. I also wanted to point out um, before we wrap up that you can decide that you want to be taken care of by a midwife or an obstetrician and sometimes um, you know it's something to talk about with your doctor but just because you decide to go to an obstetrician or you maybe you have a higher risk pregnancy and you need to be seen by maternal fetal medicine but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't also have doula support just talk to your doctor and then they could probably find doulas willing to work with them right? Absolutely. Um, a doula is just a support person, you know, for you and your family. It will not take any, um, we work with, you know, our obstetricians plus midwives and it just, we are there for you and your family to give you that support. So Great. it doesn't really um, matter. You can always have a doula in that uh, birth room. Great. So last thing, um, if you could provide one piece of advice, maybe about the whole process of delivery or, you know, some, if it was your sister or your niece or someone, you know, what piece of advice from the inside would you like to give our listeners, whether it's reaching out for support or asking for help or finding resources or something to do? Do you have, can you think of something? I'm sure you have many things to try to think of. Sure. No, no, I, I do. And I, I feel that everyone should be able to get, have a doula in their room. Um, just giving them that support and, um, and help, you know, and encourage, you know, empower them. But one of the things, trust your body, trust your, you know, educate yourself, you know, um, read about it. Um, if you don't have that information, ask your provider. I know they will go that extra, you know, mind give you what, you know, answer those questions. But I, I, I feel that also your decision is very important is your baby, is your body, is your birth. So just make sure that um, you ask all the questions. And if you're not sure about procedure or something that is um, an, an intervention that is gonna be done 
in that labor room, ask questions and don't feel afraid. Like I said, it's your body, your baby and it's your birth. So that's amazing. I, I tell, um, you know, I feel the same way in cancer care too. I always want patients um, to make sure they ask the questions and feel empowered to speak up. So that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been educational for me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are also um, may or may not have heard of what a doula is and how they can be helpful. And so I'm so happy to hear about, you know, that organizations like yours, there is good happening in the world right now. You know, 2020 has been just one terrible thing after another. And it's good to know that there are women like you out there, empowering women, providing resources and connecting them with what they need. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for having me. You know, it was my pleasure. Uh, I'm just happy, you know, share my experience and share my information and knowledge, you know, that so others can benefit from, from this great service that doulas can bring to the birthing room. So if any of our listeners have any questions, you can email me at realwomenshealth at gmail.com and I'll pass them along to Hilda and her team. Don't forget, guys, you can also check out the podcast website on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, um, Alexa, and Google Podcasts. And I'm going to be posting some clips of this interview on my Instagram at KristenRojasMD and also probably maybe on the Amar website as well. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much, Hilda, again. I'm sure you're very busy taking care of all these women. So I really appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you for having me. Until next time. Bye, everyone.